Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, millennial men are apparently not that interested in equitable relationships, according to a survey. Italy is considering paid menstrual leave, the most important reference book about cervical fluids, and a hot new boy band style group in China, which is made up of girls. Oh, oh my god i received some tragic news this week oh no what happened my local neighborhood institution coffee shop fix is closing no do we need to kickstarter buy it or something what's going in, on in fact it has already closed it like it, it was like four days notice but i'm feeling feelings in this way because it was the place that i worked after i had been fired and was like learning how to like work on my own it was like my training wheels you know oh, yeah like you were like there's no cell phone reception here i can get so much work done exactly so anyway so it was like very important i mean it's like whatever in the way that your local coffee shop is always important but it was very important during this like very vulnerable era of my life and I'm like mourning it like an old workplace has closed that's what's going on I am sorry for your loss how are you yo I am superwoman today oh I love to hear this back scheduled to, back to the to hilt back like <laughs> scheduled like a, it's insane and then on top of all of that I consumer protected myself and like so much is happening also, my apartment is finally getting painted. I want to like report on like a home improvement front. Wait, rewind. What do you mean you consumer protected yourself? Um, so I'm not going to go into too many details so I don't jinx it. But I had to file a complaint against a company using the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh-huh. They have a form on there. That company got back to me within five days and they like fixed everything and like your girl's back. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's like, it's the best customer you? service I've never, it's the best customer service I've ever received. I was like, this is bananas. Some corporation tried to take advantage of me and then I tattled on them. And literally when I talked to the compliance officer, she goes, I really wish this hadn't escalated to a... <laughs> to a CFPB complaint and I was like well that's the only way you would listen to me so that's perfect wow and you were like yeah if you didn't want this to escalate you should have answered my emails (laughs) I know CFPB is my favorite agency in government like thank you like actually doing things like I'm so happy about it I'm gonna write like a success story about like the whole thing government working for me (laughs) oh my god the best the best Shout out to everybody who makes CFPB happen. I'm so happy. So I did that. Can I tell you though? So I, I, I settled on painting one room in my house, a very light blush. Not millennial and pink, lighter than millennial. Not, not millennial pink, like lighter than millennial pink. Well, I guess, I guess we'll find out, right? Because you know how like you do the swatches and then you feel good and then you paint the whole room and you're like, oh my God, what have I done? It's so um, hard to tell, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to tell. And also, you know, sometimes like the light hits it and all of the stuff and you just, whatever. So anyway, in my head, this is a very light pink. But I want you to know that the painter keeps t- 
texting me and telling me, even in person, he keeps referring to it as romantic pink. <laughs> oh my God. And it is really stressing me out because it's making me feel like it's some sort of like bubblegum, whatever thing. And uh, I don't know, man. Now I'm now I'm very nervous. But everything else is like white. So you know what? If it doesn't work out, we're going back to white. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I also feel like sometimes you just have to like lean into a bold room color, and even if it's not your favorite right away, once you put it all together, it'll make sense. You know. I, I know, right? You know, it's just a very bold move for me. You know. I know. I'm 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 really proud of you. Pink walls, like excellent. So, yeah, all of this to say that, like, by the time I'm done with dinner tonight, I'm going to pass out, like, so hard. Oh, my God. I, um, so wait, and tell me, like, where are you on, like, your nesting journey? Is this, like, last step, middle step? No, this is definitely middle steps. It's also, like, I'm at the point where, you know, like, when you realize that, like, you ordered furniture and everything takes, like, eight to ten weeks to arrive, Mm -hmm. and you're, like... But I got rid of my couch. What am I going to sit on for three months? <laughs> like, that's, that's the logistical hole that I'm in right now. But you know what? It's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. I have faith. I'm being zen. Like, it's going to be fine. Um, I'm proud of you making those, like, all those big decisions. Like, like couch, rug, wall color, I feel like that's, once you've gotten over those hurdles, it's, it's fine. Everything else is small and returnable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What have you been up to today? My day is pretty chill, honestly. I, speaking of home improvements, just um, this weekend got a new bookshelf from my office. And so I can stop living like a Howard Hughes hoarder with like stacks of books <laughs> everywhere. And like, you know, I mean, I, it's one of those things where like the books I own fill, like expand to fill the space. And you know, you know, I don't believe in condoing, especially not books. Um, so I'm, I'm like, I need to do the big book reorganization though, which, um, as much as I like owning and being surrounded by books, I actually don't take a lot of pleasure in like reorging them. So that's like on my agenda at some point today. That's maybe like a late afternoon stoner activity. And I think I'll get into it. Um, but I don't know. That's it. I don't know. Pretty, pretty easy, easy going over here. Oh man. Um, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. <laughs> Although I was just thinking when you were talking about like being scheduled to the hill. And I think about this sometimes too of like, oh my God, like if we, if we were like business men at the level that we're at now, we would have like six assistants. You know what I mean? Like I'm like the, the, the juggle is so real. And I'm like, are you still using some kind of like digital scheduler or is this all you? Oh my gosh. I have schedulers. I am like sharing a robot assistant with someone. Like, <laughs> unclear. Hang <laughs> out. Like, listen, I am so ready to download myself inside the computer. Like, I'm ready. Uh. <laughs> here's the secret to being scheduled to the hills is that like, I, so I'm running on two hours of sleep. This is why I'm like also talking crazy right now mm-hmm. is that you can't have breaks. It's when you have the breaks that you realize how tired you are. <laughs> and I literally have no breaks for the next four hours. Like this is a fun break, but you know, it's also not a break. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm I, my body's going to break. We'll see. Oh, Okay, well, you want to talk about the news? We can't pause. We can't slow down. Can't slow down. We can't slow down. Well, I don't know that we can talk about the news because there's too much news. All I know is that today I checked in on um, y'all's president's Twitter feed like a couple times. Mm -hmm. And uh, like 
over the span of like three and a half hours. And every single time he had been tweeting about Fox News, I was like, have you been watching Fox News for three hours, my man? Yes. Like, this is crazy. No, totally. Well, and it's like the info loop, right? Criticize all other media. Exclusively watch the only one that you claim is doing, like, good work when, in fact, they're just, like, yes men. And then reinforce the loop by only tweeting about shows on Fox. And this man's self-care routine is unparalleled. Do you realize this? Playing golf every weekend, going on vacation every weekend, not seeing people that you don't like ever, a.k.a. his wife. And then now he's like watching Fox News for three hours. I'm like, where do you find the time? Yeah, he's like hermetically sealed himself in a bubble. Like, I just like, I cannot believe this. I know. And especially when you think about, you know, that quote he gave about reading where he's like, reading, I don't have time for even a paragraph. I pick up a book and then I put it down. I'm like, well, clearly you have time because you're watching Fox News 24-7. Like, you could, in fact, choose to turn it off and read a briefing paper. Oh, wait, you've requested that those be edited down to like a single page. We've already addressed this. He can't read. I know. I know. I know. I still want to believe. It's terrible. There's like a part of right? me that, It's like, like you watch all of that TV. You don't know how to read Chirons. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if it's not written in like Chiron headline, it's like not readable. <laughs> I, oh my God. I ran out of cannot even like on the first day of this presidency. I can't handle it. <laughs> out of fucks. Out of cannot <laughs> evens. We're just like, we're, this, the supplies are running low. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, that's that for that person. Probably by the time this goes on the air, like 10,000 more things would have happened. Yeah, Um, I mean, uh, well, also like, you know, filibustering happening. Other like good obstructionist things are going on. But yeah, it's like hard to do. It's like actually impossible on a weekly podcast to be newsy. I know this filibuster has me shook because I can't decide how I feel about it. I know, right? I actually do, too. I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, if I hold true to my principles about how I want government to work, it's like one answer. And then if I like recognize that the other people who are in this game don't actually want government to work, I don't know. It's like a hard... I know. But now, you know, you also realize like, I don't want government to work. So like, right, I not in this, this government to work, except for CFPB, which is an independent agency. And they don't have to deal with this shit. <laughs> for now. <laughs> Another plug for the consumer. Financial Protection Bureau. I love it. It's so sexy to consumer protect yourself. My God. What else is going on? Um, well, did you read this op-ed by the great Stephanie Kuntz about millennial men? Yo, anything Stephanie, like, that lady could read the phone book to me and I will be down. We need to have her on the podcast, actually. Like, I was thinking this when I read it. So many smart things to say about all kinds of things about how politics and, like, the domestic sphere and personal relationships all, like, explode into each other. Okay. Explain this thing to the kids. What's going on? Well, you might be surprised to learn if there's a millennial man in your life that in terms of what he really believes about egalitarian family arrangements, I believe that's like the phrase used, 
you mean to tell me that the contemporary man is not down for equality of the sexes? I mean, some of I them am, are. I'm shocked. This is news to me. Yeah, well, there's, there's actually, I mean, part of the big, the notable thing is the split between men and women ages 18 to 25, which is how they're defining millennial for purposes of this study. As far back as the late 90s, both men and women who were 18 to 25, above 75% were like, it's better for everyone involved if the man is the achiever outside the home and the woman takes care of the home and family, which is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like mid-90s, it's like most young people were saying no to that statement in the mid-90s. And since then, the number of men who were like, who are disagreeing with this traditional gender role setup has plummeted down to 52%. Okay. Can I tell you the part of this op-ed that had me shook for real? Yes. (laughs) This part, I'm going to read it out to you. Hopefully I can still read. Are we facing a stall or even a turnaround in the movement towards gender equality? That's a possibility, especially if we continue to pin our hopes on an evolutionary process of general liberalization. But there is considerable evidence that the decline in support for non-traditional domestic arrangements stems from young people witnessing the difficulties experienced by parents in two-earner families. A recent study of 22 European and English-speaking countries found that American parents report the highest level of unhappiness compared to non-parents. A difference the researchers found is entirely explained by the absence of policies supporting work-life balance. So here's where the jig is like all the way up. Like what this means is that because conservatives block um, policies like paid leave, they've essentially succeeded in turning public opinion against women that work outside of the home, which was their goal from the beginning. Yeah, like, look, all you need is a few decades of proving that it's really difficult while at the same time keeping wages low. So you need all adults in a household to be working. And turns out things are pretty terrible for everyone. Yeah. And the thing, too, about these like conservatives, right, is that it's kind of hard to like account for all of these high numbers of husbands that make like big decisions because not all, but some stay at home wives in many like conservative arrangements like they're always saying how they're equal partners and you can't imply that they're being subservient you know but at the same time just like this sounds a lot like the man is the head of the household where have i heard that before right but one thing that i do want to note though about this study as much as you know like i heart steph coons so much do you think she goes by steph probably right i think we could call Uh, her steph maybe (laughs) (laughs) um stephy coons is (laughs) One of these surveys, where is it? I'm like trying to find it. Like the sample sizes are really small. Yes. The total number of respondents is like uh, 18 to 25 is only 200 people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not really trying to base any kind of general opinion on like such a tiny, tiny, tiny group of people. Are these anomalies? Like what's going on there? Like I was surprised at how small that sample size was. Totally. I mean, and the other thing, so I went and I looked up this study from 2009 that I remembered including in a book review like ages ago. Like this is the problem when you've been working for a long time. I'm like, some of these statistics feel familiar. Anyway, there's a sociologist named Kathleen Gerson who wrote a book called, let me cite it right, The Unfinished Revolution in 2009, where basically it was about polling she was polling people who were as young as the people in this millennial op-ed that Steph Koontz wrote but it was about their expectations for the future and most of them said 
what they wanted was to be in a committed but autonomous relationship that offered both partners a happy balance between work and home life. But the difference came in is when she asked men versus women what their backup plans are if they're unable to achieve that egalitarian balance. So like basically in the policy scenario that you described. So men are more likely to want to count on a partner at home. Surprise, surprise. Women, on the other hand, are more likely to see paid work as essential to providing for themselves and their children. And so, you know, if you've got men taking this default position where if we can't have a perfect dream egalitarian scenario, I want my partner to stay home. It's like, oh, wow. So most people don't get that scenario. And then look what happens. Like, it's, it's like an interesting thing. And I really, I'm really curious about what this study would look like if you shifted it toward people who are 10 and 20 years older. Right. But it's also the kind of thing where, like, I want to take this and just, like, kind of shove it in the face of, like, so many young women that I know and be like, this is why you need to get paid more because right. <laughs> everything is shaped by economic realities, right? Like, here's what happens if you get married and you have a baby in, you know, like this trash country that doesn't have like maternity care that is adequate and um, like childcare that's adequate is that whichever one of you makes the least amount of money is the one whose career is on the chopping block. For a lot of people, like the salary that a lot of women make is either like equal to what childcare ends up running you or is like a significant chunk of it. Right. And so it's like, why would you give all of that money away? to somebody else when you can stay home and take care of your kid. That's the reality that a lot of people have. This whole trend is like a very bizarro backlash because nobody's really talking about it, right? But it's like, surprise, everything is shaped by economic realities, which is like shaped by sexism. Ding, 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 ding. Open your eyes. All of this stuff has consequences. Yeah. You're right about the sample size too. You know, like part of me is like, okay, well, to me, this says like not what does your partner say they want for you, It is, what is your partner doing to enable you to make all the choices that you want to make? Like, is your partner investing, like, in your earning power as much as in their own? Like, how are the choices being made that are not just big, abstract, do we want an egalitarian partnership? You know what I mean? Like, it's... It's hard sometimes to connect all of the little everyday difficult choices that everyone makes about career and where to live and how to maintain a relationship with this high level. What do you really want in terms of like the egalitarian quality of your partnership? Right. And it's also the kind of thing where kids grow up in families that are like single income families like I certainly did for a long time until my mom went back to work. These like male led families are like what like this is what like a good like wholesome whatever family looks like and like actually peel that onion back a little bit and really it's just structural discrimination that enforces old models (laughs) of like the same garbage. Yep. And so it like that is what is so frustrating about it money talks and here is where we are because one segment of the population like makes significantly less money than another. Yep. On a potentially hopeful note, the study cited in this New York Times op-ed only uses data going up to 2014. And there are some 2016 numbers from the general social survey data set, which is the same data set as the Times article, that show a huge, like almost cannot be statistically meaningful, skyrocketing increase in men who say that they want equality at home from the 52% in the time study all the way up to 89% in the 2016 data. And so, I mean, whatever, all of this stuff, again, it's like 60 to 80 people. So we're not even talking about anything significant, but 
for me, it's like thinking about this stuff as it tracks with human beings that I know. Like, huh, does this seem to like go hand in hand with the choices that people I know are making? Not, you know, their professed beliefs. And I think that that's where, I mean, with a sample set of only 60, in some ways it's all anecdotal. I know, but you know how it tracks in my life is that I too would like a wife. So that's what's going on. It's like, who doesn't want the benefit? It's like, everybody wants the benefit of having a wife at home. Are you kidding me? Sure. Yeah, Uh, not just a digital scheduling assistant. (laughs) I know that the robots are still so dumb. (laughs) Yeah. What, I quote, Italy may become the first Western country to grant women who experience painful period paid menstrual leave. If the policy goes ahead, companies will be required to offer female employees three days off each month. Menstrual leave started in Japan in 1947. And since, like, countries have menstrual leave? And has since been adopted. We have talked about this on this very podcast. I know, but I always (laughs) thought it was like one weirdo company in the UK. You didn't tell me it was the entire country of Japan and South Korea and Taiwan, Indonesia. Excuse me. I got to go file my immigration paperwork. I am moving. This is nuts. I know. It's one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it. It's always like companies may require or like maybe the policy will go through. I feel like there's not a lot of this is one of those things where it's been established in a few countries for a long time, although the data is is a little suspect on how many women actually take advantage of it. Like, I think that's harder. Let's get it. Like, let's get it here. Like, get not it. like we have anything else to work about, work on. But Get it, ladies. Get it. Yeah. Got a wife. Move to Italy. Take your menstrual leave. Get it. All of it. You could have it all. I mean, it's interesting because I'm reading a Glamour magazine counterpoint right now that says, do we really want to reinforce those dated views that we're unfit to work three days out of every month? Um, That's (laughs) why it says for people who have painful periods. Right, exactly. I have insane like medical grade level problems when I have my period. This is not some like I need to eat a Kit Kat when I'm on my period. Right, exactly. Because here's the thing, the women who like, feel the way that i feel a lot of times we do take the time off you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. not three whole days my god that would be great but you like make it fit with the rest of your like kind of medical leave schedule and right blows and you're probably at home working with your computerist like exactly definitely working with your computerist bleeding on everything that you own but at least you get to bleed in your own bathroom yeah it's true. But yeah, I like I, I also don't like that idea of, of saying that like because some women really do need medical leave related to it, it's like it's like an admission of weakness or something like that. Or like an admission that it's okay to like bar women from like ski jumping or whatever other dumb like <laughs> like things yeah. that women's bodies have been uh, yeah, used against them for. But this is also like not complicated, right? It's like whatever. Like if you don't need 
menstrual leave, don't take it. But like God knows a lot of women do, so let them take it. I don't understand this impulse to always be like rebut like part of women's biology that actually is hard. Yeah. It's like no, like pushing out like blood clots out of your like vagina is like tough. It is like objectively painful for some people. Right. Can like what can we live? <laughs> What's that? What's that? Um, I forget which comedian that we've quoted before. Like, my body is pushing my body out of my body. <laughs> like, like it's the most hardcore thing. Oh my gosh! It's yeah, banana ruse. Um, okay, totally. I, can't I just said the word banana ruse. Like that is that's the tiredness. Um, totally on on like the body's tip, but not not otherwise directly related. I have been reading Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Have you have you ever had someone wow. recommend this book to you? I've heard many people talk about it. I have not personally read it or, uh, yeah. Well, so a woman I know told me in casual conversation many moons ago that she could like feel her ovaries drop an egg. And what? I was like, I know. I was like, I, that seems not real to me. And then she was like, read the book and you will be blown away by all the shit about your body that your gynecologist never told you that you never learned in school. Even if you don't have any desire to like use it for like trying not to get pregnant or trying to get pregnant. It's just like a really interesting reference book about what it means to have a uterus and ovaries. And, um, and she was like, she was like, honestly, it kind of blew my mind. And so of course that part of it piqued my interest, like not so much, using it to like change my birth control routine, but like, just like, okay, like, you know, what am I going to learn from this? It is definitely a reference book and it is truly pretty mind blowing. I mean, shout out fertility awareness method. I know, but beyond even that, just like, you know, the way that, um, in, and, uh, it's, it's, written by this woman, Tony Weschler, and is, has been, you know, republished in many, many editions. But, you know, there's a lot of parts in it that are about parsing different cervical mucus. Oh, my God, there's a really funny aside where she was like, fertility awareness didn't take off because people hate the word mucus, but then we changed it to cervical fluid and everyone was okay with it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, because mucus sounds gross. I mean, I know, but like, whatever, it's just bodies. So I mean, like, you, you know, I agree with this. I know, I'm I know. Saying. It's the hard K sound. Um, um. <laughs> what What is that? You know, like, what was that feminist book that was, uh, it's not called Vagina because that's the Naomi Wolf book, but it's yep. like about vaginas. You know the book I'm talking about? And it literally had a vagina on the cover. The Intimate and, Geography or something? Hang on. That one? Uh, no, I don't think that's what it's called. I think it was like one word or two words. It was like one of those like meant to shock people kind of in the bookstore and I feel like that book is related to the uh, fertility book in that they're really all about like discussing like the myths around like infertility and that kind of stuff and myths around vagina. But it just made me think of it. And I cannot remember what it's called for the woman and intimate de- geography. That one. I don't Maybe. know why you're saying that it's Natalie Angier who writes a lot of stuff, a lot of like science and nature. Writing. No, cause no. you could carry this on the plane. The other one that I'm talking <laughs> about, like yeah. <laughs> literally like repulses people. Okay. I'll find it. If a listener knows what I'm talking about, like a, like came out around the same time as, or was popular around the same time as female chauvinist pegs, you know, like that era of feminism. Mm-hmm. Like oh, it was cunt? one of the, cunt, duh. <laughs> 
like, I was like, ding, ding, ding. The arrow is really important for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really important. I remember because I read Cunt on a plane and uh, I was <laughs> just like lolling this whole time. Cunt on a plane is my favorite action movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the lady next to me like pulled up her Bible. Like she was not having it. Wow. Um, but yeah, I like vaguely remember like moon cycles and like whatever in uh, in Cunt where I was just like, oh. I can hang like two thirds of the way in here and then I like can't go further. Well, I got to say that I have been pretty, there's like, there, there has been, I would say a pretty decent sized revelation for me every couple of pages and I'm only like halfway through, but like part of it has to do with the fact that I remember having a like early sex ed, Lowell Catholic school sex ed. So I don't even know talk that like, okay, like you might experience something that's not your period that's called vaginal discharge. And then there was like a description of it as being like kind of white or something. And then that was it. And it's like, oh, wow, like actually cyclically, it looks like this. And there's like diagrams in the book of like, this is what this type of cervical fluid looks like in your underwear. And this is what it feels like. And this is what it means about what's happening with your hormones and like your cycle at that time. And it is like, it is awesome. (laughs) I don't know, like stuff that you're like, is this some kind of infection or like might raise a question in your mind being like, oh my God, wow, I've experienced all of these different things they're describing, but never once connected them as like cyclical and always thought it was just like random shit happening with me, you know? Way to connect with your body, Anne. Listen, I have to say, I don't know. I was very skeptical about this book and I'm like, I just, I I am, I'm also pleasantly surprised by how it's not hundred percent preachy of like why this is the best like it's truly framed just as like a reference book for your body if you have these parts so endorsement related to fluids that come out of the bod <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> mucus fluid uh, okay oh my god my energy is picking up i feel better <laughs> Is it talk of all these fluids that's picking up yeah, your energy? Yeah, like it's talk about all these fluids. I feel like very aware of my body today, so it's good. And, all the, like, and all the ways that I have failed it, but it is like propelling me forward. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you got to sleep. Like sleep is important. <laughs> oh my God, so, so important. Every, every basic health thing, it's like, are you hydrating? Are you sleeping? Sometimes I think like, can you imagine if I actually like slept the amount that you're supposed to sleep, like I could probably cure cancer. I actually am intimidated by what the size of your brain power would be if you slept like eight hours a night. I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Don't say that. You might get there. (laughs) (laughs) Inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What else is on the agenda today? I was reading an article about a new, I'm air quoting here, boy band in China where all oh, of yeah. musicians are, are actually women who are styled in that kind of like androgynous boy band way. 
which I don't know. I mean, I'm not anyone who can interpret much about J-pop influenced Chinese pop music or anything like that. But I don't know. I was just like really interested in the phenomenon. And like, apparently they have like the same huge teen girl fan base and have not even dropped an album yet. Have not even dropped an album yet is my favorite detail of that. It's like, that's how you know they're going to go far. (laughs) My favorite detail is that their agent gave this interview to Quartz and essentially said they don't, the band members don't want to use the word boy or girl. They have chosen the gender-free phrase that translates to handsome youths. (laughs) I like that a lot. That makes me really happy. And they look like genuinely awesome. Oh my God. They look so good. I'm like, I hope that they blow up globally. I'm just, I'm just so interested in, in it. It's also like, um, it's interesting because a few of the members of the band apparently were like into a more general gender neutral fashion aesthetic before they even joined the band. And so like presumably were selected in part for that, which I also think is very cool. They're called a crush. (laughs) A crush. So good. So good. Yes. Side note, interesting thing. <laughs> I'm like, like literally something I'm 0% knowledgeable on. So I have like nothing else to say. No, it's perfect. I feel like we went around the world. Oh no, Jenna Lyons out at J. Crew officially. End oh of an wow. Era. Oh my End God. of an era. She worked there for 26 years. Holy mm. shit, breaking. <laughs> yeah, have you done anything for 26 years? Wow. Ugh. I hope Jenna Lyons starts like a like a tall lady fashion brand because like even under her leadership, we were underserved by J. Crew. I'm like, branch out, baby. <laughs> That's right. Um, Jenna Lyons, like honestly, a true a true veteran of the fashion industry. Love it. Can't wait to see what she does next. Oh, I want her to just sell suits and like those glasses, like just like make her own. That's look. it. That's yes. it. Like mm-hmm. two things. Yeah. Go for it. Free career consulting. Yeah. <laughs> Gives advice once. <laughs> Yeah, 26-year veteran of, like, a single company. And we're like, let me tell you what you yeah, need to do you're next. Yeah, you're like, hey, I have, a, I have a lot of ideas for you, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's next? <laughs> well, now she has time to read Taking Charge of Your Fertility. <laughs> Listen, how much do you want to bet she's already read it? She's already in charge, yeah. That's right, in yeah. charge. Um, on that note, I think that because my next meeting is with you for two hours... <laughs> gotta get some lunch in that's how i feel um yeah it's like my uh (laughs) last time i like went for a walk now i'm gonna like run go get something to eat and just keep pushing just keep pushing today keep pushing keep on keep on and i will see you on the internet i will see you on the internet and on the phone and on text You can find us many places on the internet, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. Download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us callyrgf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, look up that link yourself, or on Instagram at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. 
Our theme song is by Robin. All other music you heard today was composed by Carolyn Pennypackeritz. This podcast is produced by the beautiful, wonderful Gina Delbach. <laughs> <laughs>